0: Kanator ist leer. Alles oder nichts. Das komplette Fleisch ist aus dem Grill, auf dem Grill die Ecke kommt. Oh!
1: Base Stugart American, an American-based English-language Valve-based Dugart fan podcast reviews are Unofficial, uninformed, or usually unprepared. This is episode 109. We are your hosts. I'm Travis. You can reach me at hazelfish He is Matt. You can reach Matt Sailracer. Matt, this is your 66th episode on the pod. Based on American Social Security, I think you can retire now. So
0: congratulations. Thank you. It's been fun. Uh, I'm moving to Florida.
1: We got some part one shout outs here. Uh, Kevin Hatchard has done three crazy Stuttgart matches in a row. He got 13 out of 25. He only needed Pascal Stenzel's Freiburg pass, but alas, he wasn't able to get it. Um, I did win from Austin, my brother, who was in charge of the Ukiah uh, supporters group, which sounds even worse than what it actually is for Freiburg. Uh, I did win a Pascal Stenzel, Uh so my question to you, Matt, is who would be of our current unsung players, because I think Pascal somewhat unsung, a kit that you would want if you were getting it for free?
0: I think I'd go with a Maxi shot after watching the stones on that dude late in the second half, uh, which I'm sure we'll get to later. But I feel like he's still pretty unsung, um, but he's been real solid. And I, I like watching him. You know who's not unsung, Matt? It's you. Pod
1: Predictions, you won the week going 7-1-1. One, and one. You're only four behind the leader, Austin. You're two behind Jeff. I'm in fourth simply because we only have four people that are doing it. Uh, Champions Pose, I'm going to let you just do it.
0: It's just uh, a lot of making stuff up as I go, um, pulling things out of my rear end and hoping it all works out. And Yeah. Uh, If I had any actual strategy behind this or claim to, I would be lying. And uh, most of what we say is bullshit anyway. So I'm not going to lie more than I have to.
1: The Valve Bay Frauen, they played a friendly this weekend versus uh, Walker Munchen, which I absolutely love that name. Uh, They extended the contract uh, defender Loretta Tamaj, a Kosovo national player, and they won 3-0. So shout out to the ladies who aren't going to start their season up till March. Uh, Our new shout out for 2024 is the Valve B-Shop. Uh, Last week I asked Rob if there was anything there that he was excited about. So this week, Matt, they've got the Valpy t-shirt hoodie with 100 years of Robert Schlintz. So anything from the shop you would like to get?
0: Um, I feel like I want some more decals. Like it seems silly, but I used to have uh, Valpy stickers on my laptops and uh, had bought one to put on my van that got misplaced when we moved uh, about two years ago. So I think just some stickers, but I'm also I'm holding out for a black polo shirt with the crest on it. It's all I want in life. I don't feel like it's asking too much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I do want to do a little shout out for the Robert Schlintz story. So uh, it would have been his 100th birthday on February 3rd. And so there was a lot of celebration. And if you go on to the Avape website, they've got a large story about it. And you may have seen some things on Twitter. He was basically one of the key players of the post-World War II era, before the Bundesliga started. But in the 1950s, Stuttgart was the club of southwest Germany. They won two German titles, two German cups. Um, the amazing part of this story, is a World War II veteran, was shot in the jaw, came back, he scored something like 45 goals in 30 matches, and then had his arm amputated in the late 1940s in a car accident, and about four months later, he came back and with the help of uh, the coach at the time, he moved from a classic number nine, more to a winger uh, from what I understand and became just a key player for that club that uh, won so much in the 1950s. So uh, give the uh, Vapi website a, a, sh- a read on that. And so those are the t-shirts and the hoodies that they're making to kind of commemorate uh, his story and um, just his legacy with the club there. So that was awesome. Um, Speaking of former Val Bears, we got Juan, Wahid, and Luca all played, uh, unfortunately, all in losses. Uh, the OFC Fantasy, Doug won the week and is in third place behind Jens and Village Footy. Once again, give Village Footy a listen and a view on the uh, YouTube and Twitter. They do a great job. OFC Tipspiel, Peter from our Valby Omaha OFC won his fourth week. Uh, Stefan, I am Rob Holloway, and Kai Guy are in the top three, however. And Matt, the OFC man of the match, not a big surprise with an assist, an assist, and a goal. It was Dennis Undov, second week in a row. He was the kicker player of the week, second week in a row. Um, So who do you think was the vice champion of this award in terms of the OFC vote?
0: Uh, I think I'm going to stick with middle shot with my unsung hero guy. That ballsy goal that he scored was just incredible, and he was solid in defense the entire game.
1: We had a tie between he and Anthony Rueau, who we'll talk about a lot. Both guys played great. Uh, One of them might have a broken nose going to the Pokal match. So uh, speaking of the Pokal match, speaking of all this stuff coming up, Matt, let's dive into part two, the match itself. All right. I know we do need to come up with a better drum roll for that. <laughs> All right, part two, the match. Uh it was third place at seventh place. Here's what Kicker said: Freiburg had not lost in seven home games. They had only one loss at home. And while Stuttgart had lost their last three away games, nevertheless, the Schwabians were favorites in this one. I changed my prediction after the Daxo injury. Rob and I talked last episode, and we were both bullish on Val Bay. We both thought it'd be like a three to nothing, three to one result. When Daxo's injury came out midweek, which we'll talk about in a minute, I immediately went into a dark hole of depression. Not because I didn't think the team would have success later. I just thought it was too soon for them to rally. We don't play very well on free kicks and corner kicks. He's just a boss in the back. I thought there'd be a bit of an emotional letdown. Did your predictions change at all? Or were you confident going into this one after the Daxo story hit?
0: I honestly had not even thought about the bigger impact on the team. I was just gutted for Daxo and that poor guy has had such a string of injuries in his young career and it seemed like he was finally getting a long stretch of healthy play and was showing the world how good a player he is and what he can do and how he can impact the team and then just Bad luck on the training pitch. I I had not even gotten to the. What about everything else? It was just the man that sucks for Daxo. It
1: was crazy because it was midweek and it was um it was a non-contact in- injury. He just twisted the wrong way. His foot got stuck in the turf and the grass, and that was it. His ACL was was gone. So let's get into that just for a second. So he tore his ACL on Wednesday. Uh, it was. A difficult, sad day, explained Sebastian Honus. Uh, it quickly became clear that something more had happened than just a regular knee injury. Um, he goes on to say disappointment in the end of the season for the Frenchman was huge. He's an absolute top performer this season, one of the best central defenders in the league, and above all, he's just an incredible character. Volgamut went on to uh, kind of echo that. Quote, the news of Dax's injury hit us all quite hard. We were able to see in the first half of the season what a valuable player he is for him in the ranks. Daxo holds a lot of things together for us on and off the pitch. Of course, he is missing also as a factor in the dressing room, end quote. So they actually had a much lighter practice. I don't even know if I understand correctly, they did practice on Thursday because the team was just so hit by this. Um, And then we'll get into in a little bit the reaction after Dennis scored that first goal and kind of their warm-up kits as well. But let's talk Daxo for a second. I mean, I don't think it's hyperbole. He was, I think, one of the best defenders in the Bundesliga His pace is not something that is a strength, but his policing of the back, and we were pretty weak on free kicks and corners, but his size and his just aggressiveness back there really made me feel pretty confident. I think we saw immediately what his loss um, meant on some of those free kicks and those corner kicks there. Um, I was really impressed with how the team responded in the match, but also how they wore the Warm ups with his name and number on the back of them. He responded on Twitter, uh, Twitter saying Donka family. So thank you family for that. Um, We've talked about this a lot. When he showed up to the club, we were not impressed. And when he started playing for the club, we were not impressed. And something happened at the end of last year, but especially this year where we have been nothing but impressed with this guy, nothing but impressed with this guy. It's just, it's crazy sad. He's only 24. He's had so many injuries. Um, Nothing but the best for the guy. Hope he comes back stronger, is you know, which is a bit of a cliche. Um, he I actually got one of his kids. It's on its way. <laughs> and the poor guy. Um, so this I'll, is your fault. I do feel some responsibility for this now, <laughs> so I do apologize. Um, I went from him being a guy I didn't want on the pitch to where he's honestly one of my favorite players at this point. So we're super yeah. bummed for him. I don't think there's been an injury on the club since my support that has really been this big of a bummer. So really going to miss him. Those are my thoughts. Matt, uh, what do you got?
0: I would encourage everybody to go to the FOTMob website, at FOTMOB.com, and pull up Zagadou's uh, pay, player page. His traits are unreal. They've got this little, like, expando chart on the side that shows, compared to other center backs, where does he rank? He's in the 95th percentile for touches, the 82nd percentile for chances created as a center back. He's in the 98th percentile for aerial duels one. I think he's number one in the Bundesliga and by quite a long shot for aerial duels one. 85th percentile for defensive actions, 71st for shot attempts, 45th for goals. Like this dude's been doing everything for us and i think we get some insight from the, the commentary that you read that he's been a big player in the clubhouse too and a big reason why we're having this success and i'm absolutely gutted for dak so as i mentioned i'm really concerned about our our ability as a team to recover from this but the the outpouring of support we saw from the players that warm up kit gesture that they did and then the way they responded even though one of their best players went down um has just got me feeling like this team is rolling they're pointing in the right direction they're firing in all cylinders and we don't need to worry about stuff even losing as huge a contributor as zagadu we're gonna be okay
1: yeah it's it's tough to move on from that because it was clear that he was not just a big player on the pitch but also in the locker room i mean it's just you don't have that kind of response from a team if you're just a guy, and um, so we are definitely gutted for him, as you said. So, Daxo, hopefully, you get back stronger than before. Definitely gonna miss you there. So, let's try to get back into the match a little bit. Uh, Stereo went in for Daxo, and Otta came in for leveling. I was a little bit surprised about the leveling uh move, he played so well in the blowout against Leipzig. Um, I thought Otta looked fine, Otta looked like Otta. Uh, Stereo looked a little bit nervous at the beginning of both halves, but it seemed like he really settled in. And I'm going to steal a quote from you. When you don't notice the defense, that's usually a pretty good thing. After a little bit of shakiness at the very beginning of both halves, like I said, he really seemed to settle in. So any lineup surprises for you? Anything you want to say about Leonidas?
0: I was really just leveling was the big one for me. I was shocked to see that he was out, Um, but I get it. And really, if you look at how we were playing, we shifted from our traditional kind of four, two, three, one to a three-four-three. Three. So that made leveling less desirable. I hate to use that word, but <laughs> he didn't quite fit as well in, into what was going on there. Um, so we had a front three of Unda, Furch, and Mio, and then Middle shot and Wagnon playing as sort of defensive wingers um out there, and then Shalen in the middle, where do you stick leveling in there? So I get it. Um, Little lo- disappointed he wasn't getting the start, but I was glad to see he got brought on late. And uh, I thought he looked pretty good in the time that he had. Yeah. Joshua was a bit invisible. I thought in this match,
1: I really didn't see much of him in there. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if that wing position is really where, I don't know. He's going to shine.
0: I think he's still, figuring out uh what he's doing there. And um I I don't love him there, as I've said previously, but I'm guessing he's a better fit there than Sturgio is. Mm-hmm. And probably either of them being on the pitch is better than having uh your new bestie Pascal Stenzel out there. <laughs> um so I don't I don't know. I'm hopeful like he he put in a pretty good game. He was mostly unnoticeable, which is fine. Um, he had a couple runs that were decent. I don't feel like he left Sergio hanging out to dry much, which is good. So we'll call it a wash and not be too worried about it. but I, I hope either he starts to get more comfortable in that position or uh, we abandon this idea. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, it, it's hard to be too critical because the game immediately started just on fire in this one. So let's talk about the early goal. So you had Dennis scoring early you had Chris scoring early we had. Anton just split the middle like the Red Sea. It was almost like I don't know if you remember the Benjamin Favard to Carlos Manet uh, pass when those mm. first uh, when they first broke on the scene. I think when we were in the Zvaita League a few years back. I mean, it was just an amazing long pass. Uh, Dennis slotted it home. He had a joke afterwards about how he does. Yeah, it was a good pass, but I don't. You know, he's a defender. I don't want him to get to his head too high. On it. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. And then Chris to Dennis. Dennis to Chris, and Chris just did the same and slotted at home. Um, we already talked about the Daxo celebrations about how they held up his jersey, but it was kind of muted. I thought they weren't going bonkers like they usually do. Um, so let's let's just talk about those early goals. I mean, it definitely put Freiburg on the heels right away. Um, Dennis Hundov, that guy's
0: amazing. He's like looks comfortable and confident, which is the thing that I think we were saying a couple games ago was the concern about him is he looked like he was trying too hard to be Jirassi. He was just out there playing his game, doing his thing and dude looked fantastic. And I hope we see him in a Germany kit for the Euros uh, this summer. He's definitely given the training staff with the national team, something to think about, but he's also giving us something to cheer about while our boy Jurassic is away on international duty. And he's also given Honus something to think about. How are we going to integrate these two together? Is, how do you take Undav off the field, even if Jirassi's coming back with as hot as Undav is?
1: It was so nice to see us be on the front end as opposed to the receiving end of some early goals. You know, it just it changes yeah. the whole game. Teams can't sit back against us, and we're able to take it to them. The um, Where I disagree with both Christian Strike and Honus is, They both said after the match is that once the early red card happened before the 20th minute, both coaches said the game was over at that point. I don't know. I mean, we missed enough chances in that first half to put it away. Enzo missed a few. And then of course, Freiburg's able to score right before the break. I I don't, I don't know. And then in the second half, uh, they had a shot, a chance, a clean header right before we scored. What was the deciding goal? I don't, I never felt too, I mean, I felt comfortable cause we were up 2 one and we were up 10, you know, 11 men to 10. I didn't think this game was over by any means.
0: No, and especially not a team that's as well coached and as disciplined as Freiburg. You're just waiting for that counter punch to come because they'll play patient. They'll sit back, they'll do what they have to do. Um, and they were playing really smart. And so I was, we got the second goal. I felt a lot better. Um, but by no means that I think it was over. If we had punched three in in the first 40 minutes, I would have been like, yep. Okay. This is time to screw off with people on discord and just have this on in the background. But, uh, I was not yet readily to mentally check out. Well,
1: that kind of gets to the second thing I want to talk about. And you mentioned it is, is Freiburg played smart strikes a really good manager. So they got that goal right before half and that gave them belief into the second half. And they just responded physically. And, um, they only scored that goal when Rulo was out with what might be a broken nose. Um, moving aside from the problems with free kicks, because, uh, you know, Alex didn't look too great on that one, but neither did Anton on that one. It was foul city. Enzo was getting foul. Otto was getting foul. Angelo, towards the end of the match, finally lost it and started pushing people. because He's like, stop kicking me. Uh, Strike and Honus, after the match, were talking. It looked like Strike was complaining to Honus about something. I don't know what. I remember him complaining when Anthony Rouault got removed from the pitch with his bloody nose because he was bleeding all over the place and he was complaining about it. I mean, I don't know what the guy was complaining about. So here's what I want to talk about. Both websites use the word derby in this one. Now, no Stuttgart supporter on Twitter, at least, or on Reddit, seems to think this is a derby. My thought is is that if Freiburg continues to play like this and we are both challenging for top seven positions in – the Bundesliga, this could become something. And if both websites are using the word Derby, do they already think it's something? Because as I was watching this, I was thinking, this is more like watching a Mainz match or Augsburg match. I'm like, I really don't like you guys anymore. Stop taking our players out. And in fact, Maxi Middlestadt, Chris Furich, and Anthony Rowe are looking to be able to play in the Pokal match coming up, but they're all a little banged up, which I'm not surprised about the way Freiburg was playing in that one.
0: I I think so we've talked about this a little bit previously and like the the commentary about Freiburg not being a a derby has always been that it's like they're they're just Freiburg like they're the lovable guys down the street. We don't get too worked up about them. Um, I think the clubs have decided at least the marketing departments have decided it's good for them if they start pumping this up as a regional derby. I think the fact that we're having success now and have taken it to them the last couple of times has got them a little upset. We're no longer the the neighbors they can just kick in the teeth when they uh, need a couple extra points. Um, Yeah, the players seem to not like each other. So I, I think this is shaping into a derby, and we can all say that it's not as much as we want. But when you get animosity like that out on the pitch and there's the familiarity of closeness and you know, we're both fighting for that kind of second tier of the the table, like it's everything's in place. All we need is one really big match for this mm-hmm. thing to blow open. And I don't think anybody will argue about whether it's a derby or not anymore.
1: Yeah, I definitely think it's trending in that direction because it was just it was. Like you said, Freiburg has owned us during the 2010s, basically. Yeah. And prior to that, Stuttgart owned southern, southwestern Germany. And now maybe it's a little equal footing. And I don't know. I I definitely got the sense it was a bit of a derby. I know nobody else thinks it is, but it seemed like the players thought it was a little bit there. So let's let's go to the final part of this. One of the players you mentioned was Maxi Middlestadt. That guy was getting fouled like crazy. He was the guy who got the red car foul against him with the studs up play that hit him, but he was getting hit a couple other times. He couldn't tie his shoelaces. <laughs> Kevin Hatchard made fun of him <laughs> for not being able to do that, but, you know, it turned out his shoelaces were uh, kind of torn off because of the tackle. Um, talk either about the goal or the fact that even though we were up 3-1, Freiburg didn't give up. Uh, Alex Nubel had two great saves at towards the end of the match. Anthony Rueau had a great goal line clearance that was going to be a goal to make this 3-2 to get us all super nervous. So I don't know, the word that kind of hit me was focus. These guys stayed focused, and this was easily a match that in the past, we let in a goal to make this a little more nerve-wracking or Mm -hmm. done it before where we give up a couple goals to make this a draw when it was a clear dominating win, but we only walk away with a point.
0: Well, focus is a big thing that I I wanted to make sure that we talked about today because with with the banner issue, couple weeks ago we saw the team lose focus after that happened and then in this match we get the two goals and then the fans throw a bunch of chocolate coins and eggs and stuff on the field and for with a legitimate protest I understand what they're doing but that flipped a switch for us and it's like we checked out and Freiburg owned the run of play for a good 10 minutes after that and then again in the second half stuff got thrown onto the pitch. And I was like, Oh no, this is like, we were starting to get into it. We were starting to take it to him a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think yeah, I, I was impressed with how our team kept focused despite all that, despite Freiberg getting a little uh mindy on us there at the end and Union Berlin. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, hats off really to Freiburg, They're, guys never seem to lose focus. And that red card, which I'll admit, I feel like that was a little harsh against the Freiburg player. Mm -hmm. He was coming in a little late, but it looked like he slipped. And uh, I would have gone yellow with that. But, uh, you know, we don't get those very often in our favor. So I guess we'll take them when they come. Um, But you're just super impressed that they stayed so composed. And you mentioned Strike uh, griping at Honus after the game he looked the entire time like he had just drank a sour glass of milk. (laughs) Like he just was, something wasn't sitting right. He was just not happy about life and was grumpy about things and just, I I don't know. I don't watch Freiburg enough to know if that's how he always is. But I just, every time they cut away to him, I was like, that is a like irritated, grumpy man right now he definitely had a bemused
1: look on his face almost the entire match it's like he said afterwards like listen if you're gonna give up a 50 meter pass like that down the middle you deserve to lose um but yeah he just had this look on his face like he couldn't believe how his team was playing then he couldn't believe how the officials were officiating Uh, he couldn't believe he couldn't believe any of it but at the end of the day here's what he says final thoughts reality he actually praised the club he said Quote, deservedly in third place is Stuttgart. It is difficult to be able to come back against a Valfi team with so much quality in their ranks. So, hey, that's good to hear. Um, It was kind of a muted win, you know, due to the DAXO news. But after this weekend, we are still in third place. Thanks to this second head-to-head direct matchup, Freiburg is in seventh place now. This is crazy, Matt. We have more goals now, thanks to, you know, Maxi's goal, than we had all of last season. We've hit the magic 40 number, which I don't know if we've hit but once in our fandom of the club. Um, we've got 40 points, which is the most points that any team who has ever been in the relegation playoffs has had this quickly in the season. Um, so here's what the table looks like. Bayer Leverkusen won. Bayern Munich won. So there's a clear one, too. Uh, we've got Dortmund Drew versus Fortress Heidenheim, as I like to call. So they've got 37 points. Leipzig won today. Frankfurt and Freiburg both lost. So they stayed uh, 6-7 with 31 and 28 points. So Matt, a couple of weeks ago, you were pretty bullish on a top three, four spot. And I was like, eh, Matt's been hitting the sauce again. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, everybody's talking about it. And the point differential between us and 6-7, which anything our group was talking about today that you were on is we're not sure what the, number is gonna be if it's gonna be four clubs or it looks like it's gonna be five. But I keep looking at the three, four, five number. And if fifth place actually gets in the champions league, oi Matt, I mean we're right there.
0: I feel like it's ours to lose right now. We've got, you know, Dortmund's only three points behind us, but Leipzig's now four points behind us since we beat them. Um Freiburg's another five behind them or Frankfurt, sorry, is another five behind them. And then Fryberg's another three back from there. Like, we're in the driver's seat for this. And unless we have something colossally stupid happen to us, we should be able to hang in that three, four, five spot. And like we don't play Dortmund um for several weeks. So there won't be a, a six pointer swing there. But I don't I don't see Bayern or Bayer Leverkusen dropping anywhere. I think they're off in their own stratosphere, which is fine. Um but I could easily see us finishing in this three, four, five slot. And I think right now, three is the most likely because Dortmund has a history of shooting themselves in the face when it's the least opportune for themselves. And Leipzig just don't look like a fully weaponized Leipzig team right now.
1: I'm going to two things. I'm going to save that clip of you being, uh, the quote, colossally <laughs> stupid, and hope it doesn't come back to bite either of us. Uh, two, to your point, though, the upcoming schedule for February February and March. So, everybody listen to this. So, we got the big Pokal match, which I'm really hoping we get a win there. That would be fan flip fantastic. Then we play Mainz next weekend. Then we're at Darmstadt. Then we play a struggling Cologne team. Then we've got Wolfsburg, who they didn't look great today. I watched some of that match. Then we've got Union. Then we've got an interesting one at Hoffenheim. But... Most of the stadium has been sold out to Stuttgart supporters. I don't know if you saw that. Um, They have just flooded that stadium trying to make it a home match. And then we've got Heidenheim at home, which I'm actually pretty confident in. Heidenheim on the road, those guys are tough. That's February and March, Matt. Now, April and May are tough, but let's focus. We could get so many points. Oh, my God, I can't believe I'm in those two months.
0: (laughs) This take could, a breath. Take a breath. You
1: know, this could be a crazy <laughs> separation time for us, um, and we got guys coming back. I mean,
0: oh, yeah, it's for a change where we're rolling and we're looking like we might get stronger, uh, which is bananas to think about. But like, just just imagine Undav and Jarasi were starting to get a feel for each other. And Undav and Furich have clearly got something developed. You could see a front three of Undav, Gerassi, and Furich just absolutely lighting teams on fire for the next two months.
1: I am beginning to love the phrase that the last few commentators have brought up, the magic triangle of those three guys up there. Um, and sometimes they bring Enzo into it uh, because Sabre has been out for a little bit. And if you don't know what the magic triangle is, it's back during the glory days. It was the late nineties, the magic triangle where they were just scoring goals and buckets. And yeah. it was those three guys. And we're almost in that stage again. So I'm really, listen, I'm super pumped for the Tuesday Pokal match. We'll talk about later, but then the rest of this schedule, if we can stay using that word focused, we could be in a really great spot where in April and may we're playing some big clubs, but we're a big club, so could, yeah. this could be for the first time in a long time, really since we won this Vitaliga, a fun second half of the season.
0: Well, then Dortmund's got Freiburg next match day, so like that could be a knock on Dortmund, because you could see an angry Freiburg team coming back, uh, wanting to get back on the right foot, and Dortmund being Dortmund. Uh, so, yeah, it's the the path is paved out in front of us. We just have to make sure we don't like look at a bird and turn our bike in the wrong direction,
1: or trip on a chocolate coin or something. Yeah, or something like that. Well, we've got some news headlines and questions coming up that deal with some of the guys coming back, and the Valve Bay coffers are starting to get a little full, Matt. What do you think? You want to move on to uh, some news headlines and questions?
0: Let's go. All right.
1: Okay, here we go. Part three, news headlines and questions. Matt, first one, international play. So, Congo and Silas defeated Guinea, not Equatorial Guinea, and Seiru. Uh, Iran defeated Hiroki and Japan, which I think was a big shock. And that was a huge shock. According to uh, Fabian Volgamu, both Hiroki and Seiru could be back for the Pokal. The likelihood of them starting is pretty low, international travel and all that uh, stuff. Any comments on those two guys um, coming back? The results they had while they were in Africa and Asia? I'm, I mean, everybody's super excited they're back, and we all have this like kind of uh, Catholic guilt, if you will, to where we're like, God, hurry up and get back! I don't want your national team to do well. Now I feel terrible that you're back.
0: I am bummed out for both of them that their national teams lost, but I am very excited that we will have them back in white and red here shortly. I would be shocked, I think, if. Either of them are playing on Tuesday. <clears throat> um, if I'm honest, I'm telling them, hey, get back, take a break for a little bit, rest. Of like, we're doing fine. If you guys need to take a week off to recharge the batteries, please do that.
1: I bet both will be on the bench for the Pokal match on Tuesday. I, Hiroki played 90 minutes in the loss to Iran. So he could be gassed, especially now that he's got to fly all the way back to germany seru was on limited minutes down there um there was a there was a contract issue with payment that i don't fully understand and there was part of the reason he wasn't playing fully was because he was criticizing what the national team was doing to some of the other players who don't make as much money as he does so he wasn't playing a ton of minutes so he's only played about 25 to 35 minutes per match that he's actually played He's a guy that if the match is close after halftime, I could see you popping on there for a bit, which, like I said, we'll talk about later. I'm super excited for that Pokal match. Uh, Money, 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 Matt. So last week we talked about how Porsche was pouring in $40 million. This week, the resell of Orel Mangala from Nottingham Forest to a French team. Could, if the French team decides to exercise the purchase option at the end of this season, bring about 2 million euro into Valfi's coffers. I mean, he played 100 games for Stuttgart. We both really loved him. We sold him for about 13 million to nine and a half for us. He's going to go to Leon for about 15 million. He's all the guys that have gone to the Premier League. He's the one that's played the most. And I'm kind of surprised he's only going for the amount he's going for. So. Any thoughts on the money coming in or any shout outs to Orel and his time in the brew stream? I
0: think it's a it's a great piece of business that we're able to profit from this. Um I'm a little I'm also a little surprised that uh, he's moving on from Forest. Uh, it feels like Forrest might have gotten themselves in a little bit of financial trouble from some of the stuff I've been seeing. So this might be a desirable player that they could move easily. Um Olympic Lyon is no slouch of a, of a club, so he's moving on to a good, powerful French side. Um, Mangal was arguably my favorite player uh, on the team when he was with us. So I'm excited that he's doing well. I'm excited we're getting some return. Um, Mostly I'm excited about the $2 million because that affects that, <laughs> the team directly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Loved you, Orel. I remember Matt saying if you were going to get a kit at some point, that's a kit you would get. Um, so it, luckily you didn't because his knee is still intact. I'm like, I who got right. and <laughs> he, he doesn't have a knee anymore. Uh, transfers and extensions. So Enzo Milo signed, as we talked about a while ago. Captain Anton signed an extension, as we talked about a while ago. Pascal and Fabian signed, as we talked about a while ago. Ago, But the new one was Chris Furich, who signed. So he's now the fourth in the group to have extended his contract this calendar year from 2025 to 2028. So here's some words that uh, Volkman said is Chris Fierch is one of our most important players. He consistently trains and plays at a very high level. He being called out to the national team was a confirmation of the performances he has shown in the Stuttgart jersey. Uh, what he said was, quote, I feel very comfortable here in Stuttgart, the club, our fans, the arena, are something very special. There's a pure tradition that you can feel at every home and away game, end quote. That is a common theme that you always hear, that money is money, right? I, I think, you know, yes. that's, let's not be naive. But money is money, and the atmosphere seems to be a big reason why it's an X factor, I guess you should say. So I don't know if you want to comment on the X factor or just the fact that we we haven't signed a lot of guys coming in, which I don't think any of us thought they would. But the fact we got Enzo, Anton, Chris, and especially Fabian Bredlow to sign contract extensions, I mean, that's a big deal.
0: I think having these guys locked up, going forward so we've got a core of our team together that we can continue to build off of and move forward is really really important and Anton Furich these are guys that you build around um, if you're Stuttgart so this is a really good sign and I think it points to more of this kind of stuff in the future so I'm more hopeful about uh Jirasi and Undav and getting some of these other guys like inked in long-term. So if we do lose them, we're at least going to get a lot of money out of it. Uh, I think money is money and money is important. And I don't want to minimize the fact that these guys have a very small window within which to make money. And for a lot of them, this is life-changing money for them, their families, uh, people that they support. So... I totally get maximizing your earning potential, but I love that the atmosphere, the environment, and feeling supported and appreciated is part of the equation for these guys. Cause I think those are the guys we need to go after. We're not gonna go after the guys who are like, I'm worth $20 million and I need to be paid that. We're just, they're out of our reach. Byron can take a flyer on a guy like that. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We don't have that kind of financial. Uh, backing. So hearing that consistently talked about, I think it is an X factor. If you've got a guy who says, I'm going to get paid fairly, I'm going to make good money. And also I get a super positive environment we're probably not going to get guys taking major discounts Mm -hmm. to come play for us. But if they feel like they're being paid fairly and they get this amazing atmosphere with this amazing fan base, that's a huge win. Because we'll get those 50-50 recruiting battles.
1: Yeah, I don't think we'll ever know this tangibly, but I wonder how much of the stadium and the curve in particular being super supportive during the relegation fight last season when Bruno was here and the football was just not attractive played an intangible emotional role to where these guys knew everybody was behind them. Even when the results were just putrid, the the stadium was behind them. I, you know, there were very few whistles that whole that whole season. So let's get to the uh the transfers coming in, though. We got Mahmoud Dahoud from Brighton-Hove Albion, who is apparently the only club that Volgemut has on his speed dial between him and Dennis undov. So who is this guy? He's 28 years old. He only had nine appearances in the Premier League. He's on loan with a purchase option. He's five foot eight. He's kind of a center mid, defensive mid, similar to Angelo, from what I've read. Current value though is around 14 million. Purchase options around 10, I believe. So he played for Gladbach, but he became very well known for his six seasons at Dortmund. Uh, He never played more than about 23 games in a season though. So he's always had a bit of an injury problem. I love the fact that his brother Saeed plays for Valby 03 Hilton. So he was just meant to be (laughs) Uh, And the other one. That's not getting as much play is Yannick Keitel uh, from Freiburg 23. He's coming to the club on free after this season. Um, Honus tried to get him for about a million dollars before the season, but uh, Freiburg wouldn't let him go. But he's only played like four matches, so I don't know why. Uh, he's a defensive mid, current value around four million dollars, six foot one. So uh, Mahoud, Mahmoud got into the match this week, and he looked good.
0: He did. He, he had a couple of uh, pass receptions, which I don't think is something we talk about a whole lot, but he had difficult balls come his way that looked like they were just Velcro to his boot. As soon as they got in, and the commentator even said, like this guy's known for having phenomenal ball control. And as I'm watching and I'm listening to that, it's piecing together what this this role is for me. And if we look at when he came on, it was late in the game when we were up and we needed to lock things down. So he's an older guy. We've got an extremely young team. That's helpful. He's been around. uh, Probably has some leadership qualities that we could find really valuable but also if he can be a holding midfielder we don't have that and sometimes you need a guy who can just slow the game down who can grab onto the ball and just make people wait for him to make decisions and like that could be hugely valuable and especially if he's got some ability to unlock some defenses with some passes i mean We've been seeing that's a huge weakness for us.
1: Yeah, I was curious. Like a lot of people were is it, who's the odd man out when this guy comes in? I mean, you don't get a guy like this whose value is what it is to sit him on the bench. Like he's not gonna come here not to play, right? So the guy's gonna get minutes. So the question is, who is he gonna get minutes from? And a lot of people from what I've read said it's Otta or who could eventually be the odd man out of this one, uh, but I, I, struggle with that because odd is more of a defensive player allows Angelo to be more, um, offensive minded. And from what I've read, uh, my is similar to Angelo in offense as opposed to defense. So if you take Oda out, you're definitely giving up defense for offense at this point. So I'm curious to see how Honus is going to deal with something that Rob and I talked about last week, this embarrassment of riches. Once these guys come back, um, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see. I thought it was really interesting how quickly it seemed he jived with the guys. Uh, yes. If you looked, not just his play on the pitch, but after the pitch, he was jacked. He was excited. Maybe it was just the fact he was playing for the first time in months, but he was playing the role of peacemaker when Angelo was starting to get frustrated. Maybe this goes what you're saying is he's a veteran dude who's played a lot of big matches for Dortmund. And that's the experience we need to kind of settle things down, calm things down um, as we go forward. Cause maybe that's his role.
0: I, when I first saw the signing, my initial reaction was this will be a fun name to say my mood Like that's just, that's <laughs> fun. I like it. Um, then he came on the pitch and the dude's got a head of hair that could make Chris Fierich blush. Oh my. Yes. Um, which is just like, all right, uh, showing up with a, a thick cone there, my <laughs> mood, love it, but then, yeah, he just played so composed, and so relaxed, and I, I think one of the things we've, we've been talking about, kind of, you and Rob talked about a little bit, is, like, you know, who's the odd man now, how do we move things around, we're forgetting that just a couple weeks ago, we were terrified that if somebody got sick or hurt, that we had nobody on the bench, yep, good point, so, Karazor and Schiller have been the only guys playing in that central midfield role. And when Karazor was out for red card, we had to put Enzo back there and Enzo did great. No, no knock on Enzo. I was super impressed. And that might be a better position for him really, but that was it. So to, we had to pull Enzo back. We had to fill another gap. These signings fill in some gaps that we have and allow us some flexibility and allow us to get, Give some guys some rest. And if you can bring in Mahmoud Aboud and sit Schiller sh- 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 down for a game, just be like, hey, you've been playing a lot. Take a breath today. Mm-hmm. Like, You're doing great. This is not a performance thing. Just take a breather. We're going to lessen your load a little bit. I think that's fantastic. And especially if we're gearing up for Champions League, we're going to need more guys like that because the rotation has got to be more than what we've seen this year. The knock on Volgamut from what
1: I've read is that because there was a bit of a debate on Reddit about who was better, Sven, who we all adore, or Fabian, who has kind of grown into this role. And the knock on Sven is that the club was in a relegation fight for two of his years here, and he put too much money and time into potential, and sometimes that potential paid off dino Mavropanos, for example. And sometimes yeah. it's not Luca fiver for example. Love you, Luke. Eh, well, Luca, you're out there. So, whereas <laughs> davian has gotten a lot of guys on loan. I mean, if you look at this roster, a lot of the guys that he has now they have purchase options, most of them, but Dennis, our, our best striker is on loan right now, and our best goalie is on loan new belt. So, and there's other guys in between and the knock on him is, well, these guys could bolt. And then where are you? Um, So I thought it was kind of an interesting uh, debate here as to what's going to happen. So getting a guy like Mahmoud Dahoud, God, that is a great name is great because you got Otta Angelo, him there, and maybe they can form some kind of magic defensive mid triangle and, and have depth there in case, you know, something goes south. But it'll be interesting to see you know what, what comes forward because you mentioned international play. So let's move on to the next topic, which is something we talked about a while ago, about what would the over-under be on Stuttgart players on the national team? So Kicker came out with their 2024 ranking of where players are with about 130 days left until the Euros. So at center back, Valdemar uh, Anton is in the second tier, according to their rankings, right between, uh, right behind uh, Ginter, Schlatterbeck, Koch, and Rudiger, who are the, the, the lead on. The lead guys to get that uh, center back role, defensive wing Joshua, because of the limited number of guys that play that role, is the second rated player. Offensive wing Chris is number one. I'd be shocked if he's not on that club. And striker Dennis was actually tied with Nicholas Fulkrug, who also had a a, a hat trick the same weekend uh, that he did. So the over under was we put it two and a half, and I think we were both saying under two and a half. What do you think now? Uh, between Anton, Josh, Chris, and Dennis, those seem to be the four guys that have a shot.
0: I think Chris has got to be there. He's, there aren't offensive wings on the German team aside from Pritch. Uh Fagnuon, as you mentioned, limited playing. So there's two. You got to bring him. I think you have to bring Undov If you've got the leading scorer in your domestic league, is a German player. He's you know got dual citizenship, but he's said repeatedly that he would rather play for Germany than Turkey. You gotta bring him in. or You risk losing him to Turkey, and also like you bring him and Füllkr. Great, but who else do we have at striker for Germany? Right, right. I mean, Thomas Müller is not a striker. He's an attacking midfielder. Like we, there isn't anybody else. And then it would be silly to not bring Anton in especially with some friendlies over Hummels. Hummels had not, has not been good. Hummels has not been good in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. I mean, last time we played him, he was 20 minutes in. He was tapping his head to come out because he was gassed. Yeah, you can't count on that over the course of a long tournament.
1: Name recognition there, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think 100%. It's, it's
1: I think Chris is a lock it'll be interesting because he asked Nicholas Fulkrug if he was feeling pressure from how Dennis was playing and Fulkrug rightly said, listen, I've scored 10 goals for the national team. I'm fine. So there is some tit for tat going on there, but you can't leave Dennis off the team. That is a. Well, and,
0: and you hit, you hit something. I'm going to little soapbox here. Oh. Yeah. Fulkrug, you've scored 10 goals for the national team. How good has the national team been since you've been on? Ooh. this is a national team that has relied on guys like full Crude, um, guys like Hummels guys like uh, our old buddy Timo Werner um, who have not gotten it done. And since Germany won the world cup the last time, the national team has largely been trash. Yep. And they're relying on a bunch of the same guys who were fringe players at that time, because there was a core veteran group that has largely aged out and it's time to bring some new people in and see if they can get it done. And I'm not saying don't include full crew, but you can't just say, okay, you scored 10 goals. You're the only option we have there. If Germany's doing that with their national team, they're doomed. I think if I'm Nagelsmann, I'm
1: looking at how Dennis is playing with Seiru and I'm putting full and Dennis out there together. <laughs> Dennis just plays really well with somebody up top. So. Yeah. It seems like a win-win, you know, for everybody there. I'd probably put it at under 2. I think Dennis is going to be there, Chris is going to be there, and I think Anton is the question. I think Josh just doesn't have enough game minutes, you know, to get in at this point. So, we'll see what happens there, but we we do have some questions that revolve around Dennis here. So, here comes David. David, frequent contributor to the program. What a game by Dennis. To me, it was even more impressive than his hat trick against Leipzig. Two assists and a show of unselfishness that just characterizes his team. Also, the last goal by Middlestad, or Maximilian Fiddlesticks, as my wife misheard his name. <laughs> I love that. That's fantastic. Was an absolute thing of beauty. You would never guess this is only his third goal of his career. And then somebody anonymously uh, put in, can Udov save the German national team from their misery? Maxi and Dennis, uh, pick one of them.
0: So I mentioned earlier that I wanted to talk a little bit about Maxi. That goal, the stones on that dude, when he was coming in from the side of the net, I saw Enzo streaking in, and you could tell Enzo was hoping for a ball. He was available. I'm thinking in my head, I got my my Xbox controller brain going, I'm going, pass, 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 and then that middle shot chips the keeper oh. from, like, three meters out, and does it stone cold. Like, There wasn't any question. He was like, Yep, I'm going to do this and it's going to work. And just, (laughs) man, I just, I am not that cold (laughs) in situations. (laughs) It's impressive. And that goal was just gorgeous. And they they said it on the broadcast. You would think he's a guy that scores 15 goals a year the way he pulled that off. His first goal since 2019.
1: I didn't think it went in. The way that he just he chipped it. I was like, oh, he harnicked did." Oh, okay, that's fine. He's a fullback, so it works out. Yeah, that was fantastic. Good job on you, Maximilian Fiddlesticks. Well done there. Uh, we got another question here. I think I appreciate leveling more after watching Joshua a couple times. I love Joshua as a back, but I like leveling up front. I agree with this one. Um, I was surprised he didn't come in. I thought he was starting to get some of his mojo back a little bit. Rob and I talked about this last week that – his last second decision-making is still a question mark. It could be a situation where Honus is trying to figure out, okay, if I'm going to play three at the back now because Daxo's out, I got to shift some things around. So I don't know if you want to add anything to the leveling thing. We kind of talked about it earlier.
0: Yeah, I, I like leveling in that position over Vognaman as well, but I get why they're trying to get Vognaman some point uh, some time there. We got a
1: couple comments about how great Alex played. Goal killer. Uh, Oh, no, you don't with both hashtags, which is, I guess, what the kids do nowadays. And a great (laughs) great save is worthy of recognition. I do want to give Alex some love. He had really he he had a a brain fart, I think, on that goal that went in. That is a struggle that we have. We are free kicks and corner kicks are starting to give me a little more anxiety than they did earlier in the year. But he definitely redeemed himself as the match went on. Um, this guy's just been rock star for the most part at the back. We haven't had a lot of clean sheets, but you know what? We played pretty aggressively. So I was really impressed with how he kind of picked himself up and played after that goal. What about you?
0: Mm-hmm. It's, it's a testament to what the team is doing this year, that we've been talking a lot more about the attack than we have about goalkeeper mistakes and about the defense. And that's kind of nice. Um, Also, that goal, while it may have been a little bit of a brain fart, that was an aerial header off of a corner. And who's been our guy for those? Yeah. Dan Axel Zagadou. So, some concern there, and he needs to be a little sharper, but he might just be used to Daxel cleaning that stuff up and be focusing on something a little different. So, the whole team's going to have to adjust to that. I didn't put that on Nubell. It was a great header. The defense didn't do a good enough job of picking the guy up. That's going to happen sometimes. Um, I'm not losing any sleep. I'm just really happy to have a goalkeeper back there who distributes the ball well, who plays smart, who doesn't go on random walkabouts uh, in the middle of the game. <laughs> it's I'm I'm thrilled, and if we can sign him long term with Bredlow as a backup, I know guys keep talking about uh, Seaman as our, our young guy. He needs a few more years. Uh, get in your bail for a couple years, sell them off for a bunch of money in three years, and then we'll be ready for the kid to come in and take over.
1: Yeah, all I heard from your whole commentary was it was Dan Axo's fault for the mistake there. So <laughs> well done, Matt. Uh, you Stugart-
0: Daxo's ACL. <laughs> yeah.
1: Valby Stugart have rejected an offer for c in this transfer period. All reports hold that Stugart did take some time to consider Fulham from the Premier League's $15 million Potential purchase option after a loan. You know, what do you guys think about this? I love C loss. He's a crowd favorite, but after two years and some injuries, he's still not quite a regular player and often only comes off the bench. I catch myself thinking that I wouldn't hate it if Balpi let C loss go for that amount of money. I actually, I agree with this. I love C loss. I think a lot of us love C loss. Um, I was kind of surprised that they put this away. on the shelf there um they've got them under contract for a bit so they can make this move later but 15 million dollars for c loss that's a lot of money
0: so this was a loan deal with a purchase option so there's no guarantee we're getting any money has a history of some injuries so there's some risk there and also we're in a push for a champions league spot we don't want to give a guy like C-Loss up, even if he's playing limited minutes. Those are valuable minutes. I think if Fulham comes and says, we'll give you $15 million to purchase outright, you shake C-Loss yeah, C. if he wants to go. And if he does, you shake his hand and wish him well. But loan option with maybe a purchase, uh, it's too risky for us.
1: I didn't really think of that angle. That's a great point. Yeah, we need the depth. Um, we've had some injuries. Yeah, keep the eye on on the club. And then uh, if things go well going forward, you know what? Maybe 20, maybe 25 million.
0: Once he lost his best utilization for us has been coming in for the last 20 minutes and using his absurd speed against this tire defense. So if we can keep leveraging him like that, then that's awesome. And maybe, yeah, maybe Fulham give us 20 for him in the offseason.
1: Speaking of the future, Matt, what do you say? Let's move on to part four. Love the future. I'm glad you saved me there. I I think I stroked out. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. So we've got two matches coming up. We've got the Pokal match on Tuesday. And then on Sunday, we've got the match at home versus Mainz. So let's uh, dive in the Pokal match first. So we're playing the quarterfinals, both teams are potentially missing key players. So uh, Bayer are missing Boniface who has got a long-term injury and we could be missing Seiru, depending on what happens going into this one. Uh, the bad news, we've only got one win in our last like 30 matches versus these guys and we're 0-3 in Pokal history. We've got 23 matches and uh, 23 wins and 43 losses in our history. But in the last two matches, we do have draws including a draw this season. Um, Kaiserslautern beat Hertha and Dusseldorf beat St. Pauli to advance to the uh, semis and then Saarbrücken is playing Gladbach uh, the same day we play. What do you think, Matt? Pokal's coming up, quarterfinals,
0: exciting time to be alive. I love the Pokal. I love that we're this late in the game and we're talking about teams like Dusseldorf and St. Pauli <laughs> and Saarbrücken. This is fantastic. This maybe the best Pokal year we've had in a long, long time. And that's fantastic. I love it. I almost wish like, it's better that the the Bayerns and the bayer labor can get beat by some of these upstart clubs, but I would almost wish that they just weren't involved or kind of checked out and played their kids because it's way more fun to have St. Pauli playing Dusseldorf in uh, <laughs> chance at the <laughs> Pokal final. Um, I get, we got bit a little bit by that because we're playing Leverkusen, which is if you're just a, a neutral, that's the matchup you want because one less first division team um playing for the title. So that it's gonna be tough for us, but I I feel like right now we could beat anybody.
1: Yeah, it was um village footy had the uh one of the hosts of Neverkusen a podcast about Bayer Leverkusen on and he was frightened for Sugar to travel to their arena to play. We're just playing that well right now. So I have no idea exactly what's going to happen in this one. It's going to be a lot of fun it, from, like you said, a neutral observer. This is the match you want because it's going to knock one of these guys out. Um, what do you think? We're on the road. What do you think the odds makers have this one? And then give me your prediction.
0: I think we're, we're on the road, but labor on Saturday plays Bayern Munich who's hot on their heels for the title. So I think if I'm Leverkusen, I'm a little more focused on Bayern Munich in the league match because that's a potential six-point swing than I am on Stuttgart for the Pocal. Pocal is fun, but the league is what matters for them right now. They're sitting in first. got to protect that. Uh, given that, I don't think Vegas or anybody else gives two craps about that. I think they're going to make this a pick em it is if not if not leverkusen getting half
1: you nailed it that's what it is it's leverkusen at home which is usually the standard uh prediction yeah. in this one so what do you think the final score is going to be in this one
0: who one stokart
1: oh man your positivity is amazing i just <laughs> i don't know man. i think at some point the wheels not will fall off but there's gonna be a bit of a break in it um I really would love to get a win here. I like you love the Pokal. It would be an amazing time to just wear my Pokal championship t-shirt around and nobody here would understand exactly (laughs) what that is. It's almost like, I don't know, too graphic. Um, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go 2-1 for Leverkusen. But like I told everybody last week, the good news is Travis is in last place in every prediction that we have. (laughs) This actually bodes, bodes pretty well. Going into the weekend match, we are hosting 17th place Mines. I'm actually super optimistic about this one, so everybody should be afraid. It's a Sunday match. It's the early match. We've got 35 total matches against these guys. We lead the way, 15 wins, 12 losses. Seiru had a hat trick in the first match. They've got a makeup match against Union Berlin on Wednesday. So we're going to be tired because we're playing Tuesday. They're going to be tired because they're playing Wednesday. They really have to win that match on Wednesday. That's where they're going to put all their focus because they are in a relegation scrap. Um, They've only got one win on the season. It was home versus Leipzig of all teams. Uh, But they're second in the league in draws. Um, I'm going to predict Stuttgart is a 3-0, 4-0 win. I just see us blowing the doors off this one. What about you?
0: I'm with you with both teams having the English avocado. I think we're deeper than mines are because um, mines is in 17th with a negative 17 goal differential. Hmm. Uh, so probably we could sit a chunk of our starters and how fun is it that we're saying this? We could sit a chunk of our starters and still be in really good shape. Ridiculous. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't foresee mines it, and it's at home, mm-hmm. right? Our guys play really, really well at home. Uh, in the MHP arena, it's taken a while to remember that one, but, uh, I like our, I like our chances against Mines.
1: Yeah. The odds makers have us at, uh, well, I'll let you, uh, wrap up the pod with this prediction. What do you think?
0: One and a half point favorites.
1: Close. You got the first part. So one goal advantage in this one. So this, uh-huh. the odds makers say that we've got a full goal advantage in this one. Like I said, I think it's gonna be a three Oh four Oh thrashing. And this one, I just, we play amazing at home. Mainz is going to put so much of their energy in that Union match, I think. I just, I really like our chance. Ten- We're getting a couple guys back. Hiroki will be back. Seiru will be back full time by that point. So I'm liking our chances a lot. What do you think the final score is going to be?
0: I'm with you. I think it could be three, four, and nil. Uh, it might just be two and nil. We might get up by two and just shut her down two, which would not hurt my feelings at all. <laughs> All
1: right, well, that is it for episode one hundred and nine. A lot of positivity. I was glad I was able to bring a little negativity about my pocal uh, <laughs> prediction there to keep you know things honest here, Matt. Any last words of wisdom before we wrap this one up?
0: Just, we just just gotta keep enjoying the ride. This is just joyful, so much fun, yes, loving it.
1: I know. Don't pinch me. Don't touch. Well, don't touch. Me. <laughs> I kind of leave my personal space, but yeah, this has been amazing. Hopefully, the amazingness continues, Matt. And we talk to you again. After a couple big wins this week, Matt, hey, thanks for joining us, and uh, thanks for popping on this week, man.
0: Thanks for having me, Travis. Most of the Stuttgart fans
1: are going to be tucking into the taschen with glee tonight. If you're wondering what a Mauritasha is, it's a culinary speciality of this region. Southwestern German dumpling.
0: And if you're not a fan of Mauldtaschen then always look for Spätzle, which is the southwestern German variety of pasta. I must confess to being a bit more of a Spätzle man myself. But do give the Mauldtaschen a try if you come here.